Welcome to a podcast about wealth and life. We all know that our finances play a big part in how we live our lives. In this podcast, the advisors from Foster and Motley share insights and information about investment and financial planning topics and how they connect to your life. Your health savings account may be more important and flexible than you realize. Foster and Motley's Zach Binzer explains the value can actually go beyond health care. Well, I'm Patrice Sikora, and Zach, let's dig into these HSAs, okay? Let's talk about first, what are they? Thanks for having me, Patrice. Health savings accounts, better known as HSAs, are an account that was created to provide some tax deductibility in funding health care expenses for everyday citizens. As employers increased their move towards high-deductible health plans, as a means to control costs in their health insurance and benefit programs. Employees began struggling with finding ways to cash flow or have the the assets set aside to be able to meet those high deductibles. And so health savings accounts were created to to help bridge that gap. All right. So these these are actually relatively new? They've actually been around quite a while. I think their popularity has been ever increasing as the cost of health insurance and providing benefits to employees has continued to increase. Right. Okay. Now, it's an asset, all right? It, it could be good for healthcare, but we're talking retirement here. Where does it fit into retirement? Yeah. So there's a couple nuances in the rules of health savings accounts that makes them advantageous in the long term. I believe their primary goal was to help in the short term, but the way that the rules work is that Um, For those advantaged enough and with the cash flow capabilities, you can defer your utilization of the account uh, for many years. And frankly, some folks are taking that one step further and deferring it until retirement. So in other words, the money that goes in doesn't have to be used. I mean, it's not like uh, a use it or lose it. No, it is not. Uh, There is a a peer account, if you will, uh, called a flexible savings account. And those do have that use it or lose it stipulation where you could set aside funds on a tax deferred or, or pre-tax basis, but you have to use that asset within you know the calendar year that it was intended. HSAs do not carry with it that you that use it or lose it provision, so you can roll that forward into future years. And furthermore, if you were to leave that employer, that is your personal asset, and you could take that with you or roll that over to your next employer's plan. That's an asset for you for life. Well, this is just another. Uh savings account. How did this happen? (laughs) Yeah, right. Um, The intent was always good. Let's help our citizens be able to afford their health care. And with a lot of different provisions in the IRS code, the original intended purpose doesn't always play out and people find loopholes. And not to say that this is a nefarious loophole, but we are playing within the bounds that the IRS gives us. And we are taking um, opportunity to maximize the benefits that this account can provide. And I like to tell people there is a triple tax benefit to their health savings account. Contributions are tax deductible when you put the money in. So that's a current year tax deduction. The current contribution limits for 2022 are $3,650 for an individual and $7,300 for family coverage. And then if you're older than age 55, you can get an extra $1,000 per year in a catch-up contribution. So that's the first tax efficiency. The second is contributions can grow tax-free. Originally, it was much like a savings account where you put money in and the cash sat there and maybe yielded a little bit of interest like a bank account. 
But in recent years, the custodians that house the HSA accounts have started adding the ability to invest these funds, utilizing mutual funds and ETFs, much like you would with your employer 401k. And so the growth in those HSA accounts, if you do choose to invest, is tax deferred, much like your IRA, 401k, or Roth IRA. And then finally, the third tax benefit is distributions. And if you use these funds for qualified medical expenses, they come out tax-free. And so think of that as like your Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. But if you don't use them for health-related expenses, is that taxed? That would be. And there's also a penalty. So you would get a penalty plus pay income tax on distributions that are for not qualified purposes. That provision or that penalty does disappear at age 65. So once you become age 65, if you don't have enough qualified medical expenses to help distribute this account over your lifetime, then you can take the distributions out as ordinary income, much like you would an IRA or your 401k. And the penalty is not there any longer, but you do still have an income tax obligation. All right. So if we pay for current medical expenses out of pocket and we don't touch the HSA, if we take advantage of investment options on the HSA, we've got growth here. We do have growth here. And I do liken it to probably the most tax efficient retirement account if you're in a position to maximize that. So again, with the contributions, the growth, the tax-free distributions, you're combining the best of both worlds from an IRA and a Roth IRA. So um, tell me, you call this a, a shoebox method? Yeah. So there is a method and a lot of people will say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm locking up all my assets in my 401k and then I'm doing my IRAs. And now you're asking me to do one more account that you want me to fund and, and not touch you know, until I'm in my 60s. And there is a little bit, uh, again, I, I referenced the loophole earlier. This is completely within the bounds of the IRS. And there's no time restriction stated in the code of how long or how quickly you have to reimburse yourself from your HSA account. And so the method has been dubbed the shoebox method. I think it was whoever came up with it thought, you know, take your receipts from your medical providers and throw them in a shoebox and stuff it in a drawer under your bed. But the idea is as you go along, you're funding your HSA account, you're not using it for current year distributions, but just in case you keep all of your receipts from qualified medical expenses and you keep those in, it could be a shoebox, it could be a file in your, your, your office, it could be scanned in a, in a digital file as well. And then three or four years from now, if you're in a tight pinch and you don't have other resources that you can turn to, you go to your figurative shoebox, you pull out $5,000 worth of receipts, and you submit those for reimbursement. And because there is not a timeline attached to HSA reimbursements, that HSA account should pay those out as qualified medical expenses, and you get $5,000 tax-free distribution. This almost sounds too good to be true. It does sound a little bit too good to be true, um, but I think where the IRS and you know policymakers are willing to accept a little bit of this is because of the contribution limits and the percentage of the population who are in position to utilize this methodology. For, for most citizens out there, cash flow is tight and therefore they have to use all their assets in the current year, especially if they're utilizing the medical system, going to the doctor, getting x-rays, having treatments, and they don't have the means to set this money aside and let it grow long-term. But for the small subsect 
of the population that is able to cover their medical expenses with their everyday checking account, they have the opportunity to utilize these options within the HSA to grow this asset. And there are um, estimates out there that married couples in retirement could spend up to $300,000 in qualified medical expenses. Wow. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that upon retirement, you want your HSA to be two dollars to $300,000 in value. You know, that in a perfect world, but that sounds like a lot to a lot of folks as well. And, and as I work with clients, you know, maybe we're not going to get to the $300,000, but we are going to maximize it to the best of our ability. There are some drawbacks as well. Um, HSAs are not great assets to leave to heirs. Leaving it to a, a spouse is great. The spouse can take on those assets as if they were their own and utilize those as if they were their own. But if you were to leave that to anyone other than a spouse, typically that HSA account has to be distributed in the year of death, and that will be taxable income to your heirs. So in an ideal situation, you build up an HSA account over your working years, and then in retirement, you distribute it down to zero and not have to leave that to your heirs. Got it. Got it. You've got another thought here too about a retirement asset. Yeah. So in a sense, an asset that was designed and created to aid in providing healthcare to the population, depending how you utilize the asset, it in a sense does become that retirement asset that can help with medical expenses in retirement. It can reimburse your Medicare premiums B for part B and D as well as a Medicare Advantage plan. Unfortunately, right now, Medicare supplement policy premiums do not qualify for HSA distributions. And then as I referenced earlier, if you, if you don't have the medical expenses to distribute your account, you can go ahead, post age 65, start distributing that account as a general cash flow, not for qualified medical expenses. Just bear in mind that if you are spending it for non-medical purposes, you are incurring an income tax obligation there just isn't any penalty anymore. All right. Zach, that was a fascinating, succinct way to learn about HSAs. Is there anything you didn't mention that you think you should? No, I think that covers it all. And I would welcome the opportunity to talk further about that with anybody who has any questions. I do think that this can be a great asset for a lot of folks who can plan and prepare for the long-term by covering costs and taking some steps in the short term to most fully utilize this asset. And how can listeners reach you? They can find us on our website, fostermotley.com. All right. Well, there you have it. Do not ignore the HSA. For the latest episode of Foster and Motley's podcast about life and wealth, follow us and please share with others. I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to Foster and Motley a podcast about wealth and life. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information discussed and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Foster and Motley. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions regarding your financial planning and investments. Foster & Motley is not affiliated with any third-party providers. Any mention of a third-party provider does not imply an endorsement of that provider. If you decide to utilize a third-party provider, you do so at your own risk.